Matthew 19, Matthew 19, if you want to be turning there, we have said it a number of times that Jesus is presented in Matthew as the king of kings, uh, the king, the highest king of all kings, that he is the prophet uh, of prophets, he's the highest of prophets, and then we're going to see how he is the priest of priests, the highest of priests, the eternal priest, the eternal high priest, and we are in the part right now that Jesus is showing to be the prophet of prophets, and um, he's especially focusing on his disciples. His disciples asked the question that we all ask deep inside, even though we might not articulate it, we might not even be aware of it. But the disciples asked the question, well, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because deep down, we're all made in the image of God, and we were made for greatness, both men and women. Right? We're made in the image of God, and God told Adam and Eve, rule the world. We want you to, I want you to rule the world in my stead. Um, and so, <laughs> talk about greatness, uh, living for God and representing God in the whole world. But we understand that sin came, we fell as, uh, as humanity, and so now we wrestle with all the things that we wrestle with, right? But still the question is there. Even though sin has come and made a mess of things, the, the, the image of God is still there. And part of the image of God is that we want to be important. We, we, we want life to, to work in such a way that we matter, right? We matter. Um, not too long ago, I was talking to a young man. He's a reasonably successful, handsome young man. And he shared with me that his life involves much drink and women. But he also shared the profound dissatisfaction in his life. Uh, and he wants to do something different. I try to, you know, talk about the Lord, whatever. Well, yeah, but back into how can I have fulfillment and pleasures and so forth. And it's difficult. It's difficult to follow and live for the Lord Jesus Christ when there is so much around us. There's so much that's being offered, whether it's food or fun or fantasies. So much is coming at us all the time. And food, fun, and fantasies and everything else are available in abundance, in abundance. And so it can be very difficult. Some of you might remember uh, Psalm 73. The psalmist was being very, very honest. I've said this before, uh, the author of Psalm 73 is Asaph. Asaph was the national worship leader. David had chosen him to lead the national worship. And Asaph wrote Psalm 73. And Psalm 73 starts with a, a uh, usual confession of trust. But then he goes into the reality of his experience. Right? Psalm 73, surely God, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Right? Okay, yeah. But as for me, again, this is the national worship leader of Israel. 
But as for me, verse 2, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. My steps is a, a meaning of my life, the way I walk, the way I live life. It, I came close to losing it, man. You know, he, you know, back then Christ hadn't come yet, but he was a believer. He was a believer. You know what? This, this believer's life, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I might stop living, living the Christian life. The life for God. My steps came close to stumbling. Why? For I was envious of the arrogant. Hmm. How about that for honesty? I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Hmm. As I saw the prosperity of the wicked. We can get our philosophy of life by what we see, by what we observe, and not with the eye of faith. And this was a critical point for the national worship leader. He began to take his philosophy of life only by what he saw. As I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there's no pain in their death. And their bodies fat. And back then being fat meant that you were successful. You were blessed. You, would, uh, you were uh, accepted and uh, favored by God. You're fat. No, Jim. Never mind. Verse 5. There are no troubles in their, in other, as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Their pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eyes bulge from fatness. The imagination of their heart runs riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high and have the, set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. I mean, these guys are... They don't have any troubles. They seem to be just arrogant and self-sufficient and nothing seems to happen to them. Nothing seems to happen for them. And, you know, we look today in the news, the daily news, and it's like all this stuff that seems to be happening, all this corruption that seems to be happening, and nothing happens as far as any justice. Like... That's, so it's hard. And then the opportunities to make it big. We went through a proverb in uh, Luke 12, where Jesus speaks of this man that was this rich man whose land was prosper, you know, productive. And he was already rich. And he said, well, what shall I do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to break my barns down. I'm going to make bigger ones. And therefore, I'm going to have plenty, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, man. You've got everything for a long, long time. Great retirement. <laughs> and uh, Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 20, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own all that you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, if we were living in a poor country, uh, we would say, Amen! Yeah, yeah! 
But we live in a life of plenty, a, li- a country of plenty. So like, hmm. And so I raised the question of myself and of you. How easy is it for you and I to not stay focused on Jesus and what Jesus is about? How easy is it, how easy is it to break away from that focus? I know for me it's super easy. Right? I can be committed in the morning. I can pray, and Lord, this is your day. Help me. I get on the freeway. <laughs> My mind is all over the place. And by the time I know it, I hear something that I uh, just irks me. We all want to be doing something that's significant, satisfying, and important. We want others to notice. I mean, that's the reality, that's the truth. My sons, my daughter, my, my wife, neighbors, whatever. And Jesus knew his disciples had the same concerns. And again, because we're made in the image of God, they're legitimate concerns. They're legitimate concerns and God knows. And so Jesus knew that they needed these things to be part of what's really important and experience. Uh, because... Life goes on and the injustices of life and the breakdown of the body and relationships. And it doesn't matter, right? It's, it's there, no matter how much we try to get away from it. And so, and Jesus knows that we today, just like his disciples, have the same concerns. He, he knows. He knows. So here in Matthew 19, we're going to finish the chapter. Uh, it's only just a few verses. But this is exactly what Jesus addresses. Jesus promises those who committed their lives to living for him. Great rewards and satisfaction. Great rewards and satisfaction. And I want you to know that these promises come uh, on the heels of Jesus addressing a rich uh, young ruler. And this rich young ruler thought he, he was good enough. And that by his doing, that he would get eternal life, the experience of life, satisfaction forever and ever, eternal life. And he had addressed this man, and um, it was hard. And you have to realize one of the reasons that it was hard is because at that time, when somebody was rich, there was automatically an assumption that God had blessed them, that they were saved, that they were going to be in the kingdom. That was the assumption. And so when this rich young ruler uh, failed, so to speak, to really meet up to Jesus' standards, it's like, oh my goodness, if he's not making it, what about us? And that's where we pick it up. We might have a different understanding, but we still have some questions about life. And if you don't have them now, I guarantee you, you will. (laughs) Life is just that way. Sooner or later, we come up with like, why God? What really matters? I've worked worked hard and and achieved all these things, and yet... Something big ache in our hearts or something happens that are deep wounds within. 
Because why do I say that? Because, well, we live in a fallen world and it's going to happen. And if it's not happening to us right now, we know a loved one or two who want to take their lives. Right now, I mean, suicide increase has increased. And lots of troubles, lots of young people in trouble. And older people, too. Um, so Peter brings a concern, a legitimate concern, because he's, you know. And so we find this real quick right there in verse 27. And Jesus answers that, those concerns. And we're going to be looking very carefully at those, that response from Jesus. And he says, greatness actually involves delayed gratification. Delayed gratification is a nasty, nasty concept in our times, right? Because satisfaction comes now, right now. And if you don't give me satisfaction right now, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> this is our culture. But the disciples had asked the question, what then is, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he's given them a whole list. And one of the things right here that we learn is like greatness means delayed gratification and you keep living for me. Wow. So he had answered the rich young ruler. And Jesus said, look, it's easier for a camel to go through a lie of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. He's like, whoa, if that's the case and he's the favored one. So now Peter comes with the, with, with the question, that's the legitimate question, an honest question, verse 27. Then Peter said to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we there be for us? Jesus answered to them. Peter's the one that asked the question, but them, all the disciples. Truly I said to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you shall sit upon, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or mother or children or farm for my namesake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus promises those who commit to living for him great rewards and satisfaction. So then first, uh, the legitimate question that comes, right? Verse 27. And again, it had to be very confusing for them. Who had they confessed Jesus to be? Remember? Who do, who do people say that I am? Well, John the Baptist or one of the prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the promised Messiah who's going to deliver Israel. And Israel's going to rise to the top of the food chain. And everybody's going to come to us. You're the Messiah. But not, you're not just the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God, meaning you are equal with God. You have the very same nature as God the Father. They had confessed him, Right? And Jesus had accepted that because it's the truth. But now somebody says, hey, does your master pay tax? Well, yes, he pays tax. Like, well, then who's great? <laughs> well, then who's great? And so now he's answering those questions. And so now here comes this rich young ruler and uh, he doesn't make it. So 
the rich young ruler didn't give up everything. The disciples had. The disciples had. Remember, they left their fishing, they left their father, their nets, their careers, left them behind for the, for the sake of Jesus. So you can imagine this rich young ruler, he's favorite of God. He didn't make it. Well, we gave everything. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> what about us? And as Christians, we can ask the same, same question. There's all kinds of injustice in the world. So many pain, aches and pains, and as Christians, we, we're not immune. We go through the same things, difficulties, right? Uh, ache in the soul. Some people are willing to do whatever, uh, whatever it takes because the ache in the soul is too much. Uh, and they don't know God as very well, so they you know, end up doing things that it's... Um, but Peter says, hey, Lord, we, we, we did give up everything. Well, you know, what about us? What about us? So Jesus now answers. Jesus now answers. And he says in verse 28, uh, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you. Who is talking? Who had they confessed him to be? God himself, the Messiah. So when he's saying, truly, I say to you, I'm guaranteeing you this, and I am the Son of God. You want assurance? Truly, I, I say to you. He's not the greatest guru of the stock markets. He's not the greatest of anything. This is the greatest of the greatest of all. Truly, I say to you, and we dare not forget that. That he's the one that's saying this. And we skip over that, right? But we got to remember who is Jesus. He's the creator and owner of all that is. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He said, right, Matthew 28. He's the one that spoke the universe into being. So when he promises, when he promises, do I really believe that? Can I really go by that? He's telling his disciples, yeah, you left everything. But I am telling you. You who have followed me, the word there, you who have committed to being my disciples. You who have committed to obey and follow and grow to be godly men. Obviously, those were the 12, right? Who have followed me in the regeneration, meaning in the age to come, when everything is redone, the whole world, everything. When the Son of Man will sit on the glorious throne. That means the seat of authority of all that is. In his glorious throne, absolute authority. Then he tells them. You also shall be upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. What had they, what had they asked in 18.1? Uh, Who then is the greatest? Well, let me tell you. You've decided to be my disciples. You're going to follow me. 
you're going to have positions of authority. The word there uh, really means you're going to be governing the 12 tribes of Israel. You will be sitting on 12 thrones, judging, ruling, governing the 12 tribes of Israel. You want to be great? That's what I promise to you. And I am God. You know, to, to let that sink in. Because again, so much is coming at us. Now, those were the 12, right? There are the 12 disciples or 12 apostles. Eventually one drops off Judas, but then he's replaced, right? But they're going to be ruling. You're going to be in places of authority governing the nation of Israel. Wow. Well, what about everybody else? Well, the next verse now addresses, this is a verse 29. It's a different group, right? In verse 29, because now everyone, in verse 28, is you, you 12. But now everyone, in verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or farms for my name's sake. That's very, 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 very key. Very important. Um, and <laughs> whew, to leave loved ones and precious belongings, fields behind. My goodness. Um, and I want you to know it in Mark, the parallel passage, it says even uh, wives. And then it says you're going to be uh, given a hundred times over. A hundred times over. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. And then it says in Mark, and here, in this life, an eternal life the one to come. You will inherit eternal life. Like, really? Huh. That's what he's saying. Verse 29. And everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters, fathers and mother, or children or farms, or, or for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and inherit eternal life. How does that work? I have personally experienced this. Uh, I was in Germany and some brothers and sisters there were treating me like a king. I was like, no, 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 whatever. Like, wait, wait, no, no. They just couldn't give me enough. I was in Africa and the same thing. People were just like, wow, wow. Uh, Australia, I, we were there and man, I was offered food and place to stay and taking all over the place and it's uh, just amazing, amazing. Kept up with them for years and years. Uh, Mexico, I mean, so many places in the United States that over the years, over the years, I have brothers and sisters that like, my goodness, my, my, my. And uh, I can 
live in big houses, huge houses. And I've been invited, oh, please come. And you're like, wow. When we become a part of the family of God and we're following God, we're walking with him, we want to, even though we have failures, but we keep running back to him. Jesus promises, look, you're going to have family. You're going to have everything that you need. This is what Jesus is promising. In Matthew 12, you remember? Uh, Matthew 12, when, uh, verse 46 and following, when Jesus was preaching and uh, his mother and brother were sitting out, outside, they wanted to talk to him. Basically, they wanted to take him away. And somebody came to him and said, hey, your mother and brothers are out there wanting to talk to you. What did Jesus say? Hey, who, who are my mother? Who are my brothers? And he pointed to his disciples. There's my family. Those who are doing the will of my Father who is in heaven, that's my mother, my brothers, and my sisters. Wow. Wow. And so he's saying, look, you, you want to follow me? Everyone who is committed and has left all wonderful relationships and, and things, fields, and all that for my sake. Very important because many people... Follow Jesus for the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons. And that's always been a, something that's uh, troubled me. Uh, I've known missionaries. They were in the mission field because that was going to be the easiest life for them. And they were promised that they would be supported and so forth. So they committed to being missionaries. And... They would start complaining when they didn't get the right amount of, or the right vehicle or the right housing. Bellyaching, complaining. Like, why are you here, man? Uh, some people feel so bad about themselves. They feel so bad about themselves that, huh, if I become a missionary, then I'm going to be uplifted. I'm going to be seen as super spiritual. And so they go to the mission field. No, no. Um, people assume that if I go to the mission field again, uh, I'm going to live the good life because I'm going to be seen as spiritual. I'm going to be supported all kinds of ways. No, no. It says here, for my name's sake. What does that mean? For my name, for my character's sake. Of holiness and truth and love. And love is not the anemic, weak love that we hear about today. No. Jesus' love was so strong and so profound that he was willing to get crucified for the truth. So different of love than what we have today. But for my name's sake, to honor me in the business, in the community, in the neighborhood, extended family, do they know us as Christians to be loving, to be honorable, to be upright, to be humble? 
to give up things because we want to honor him. Mm. And so we raise the questions, the things that we decide to do in life. Simple question. Is this going to honor Christ or not? Now, there's nothing wrong with some, doing something for ourselves, right? Of course. I mean, we're made of flesh. We, 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 we need all the physical things because God made us that way, right? But there's something much greater. And the physical is just a means to enter into the spiritual and to commit. So to say, you know, if I commit to living the Christian life, why? Why? Because life is going to get easier? Because I'm going to... <laughs> Is it for Christ's sake, the name of Jesus, for the name of Jesus? Uh, very, very important. Um, and I want you to note, because um, he, he's going to, you know, receive all these things. And, you know, many times over the book of Mark and in Luke as well, a hundred times full, a hundred times over. Like, wow. And, and, and eternal life, inherit eternal life. What would the rich man asking for? Remember? Hey, what must I do to get eternal life? That's what he was wanting. Well, now Jesus is saying, you follow me and you're going to get that. You live for my sake. You're going to get that eternal life. Right? Um, but I want you to note, in Mark 10, Mark 10, because this is very, 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 very important. Uh, <clears throat> Mark 10, verse 29, it's interesting. Matthew 19, verse 29 and 30. Look at Mark 10, 29 and 30. But it is very important. If you miss it, you're missing the, a lot of big part. Look, Mark, 20, uh, Mark 10, verse 29. Jesus said, truly I said to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms. Here's the thing. Look at what the text says right there. Along with what? Persecutions. Ooh. Why do you have to stick that there? In the age to come, eternal life. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. You're going to get this, but there's going to be a delayed in gratification. It may not happen right away. And that is where the rubber meets the road. Right. That's where the rubber meets the road. Because in this life, we have to expect it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yes, you commit and there's going to be brothers and sisters who also want to walk with God and they're going to welcome you in and you're going to enjoy their presence and their fellowship and so forth. But there's going to be persecutions. Uh, it might be just medical. that Your bodies begin to give out. Or relational, we lose loved ones, people that we wish, oh, we wish they would come along. Instead, there's this resistance, if not outright rejection, 
And then on top of that, we add our own failures. And here we go. And the enemy, Satan, loves to throw stuff at us to make us stumble in our own hearts. And um, Persecutions, they will come, right? It didn't say it in Matthew, but the reality is there. The reality is there. Uh, and once again, people say, oh, I'm going to commit to you know, the ministry or missionary work or whatever. Do Bible studies so that my life will be better. Uh, and not really for the name of Christ. It's for self. It's for self. And that's why it's very, very important when Jesus says, for my name's sake. And to study that to say, what does that mean? What does that mean? Meditate on it. Think about it. To live, to honor Jesus. To reflect the life of Jesus. What does that mean? Holiness. Sacrifice. Leaving pleasures aside. Being willing to suffer. To love others no matter what. Wow. Wow. That's a tall order, right? And then Jesus says, okay, well, we need, to, we need to nail this again because what are we talking about? We're talking about answering your question, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? Chapter 11, uh, chapter 18, verse 1. That's what we're answering. So Jesus says, okay, I mean, this is, you want an answer? Here's a part of it. Uh, you're going re- to receive rewards, but it's delayed gratification until I come to my kingdom. And I sit on my glorious throne, but till then, there's going to be some stuff. Right? And in Mark, it makes it very clear, and persecutions. But you still need to be faithful in living for me. And this is how you're going to get great. Because look, verse 30, how does it end this? Verse 30. But many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. And the probability is right now, you're going to be last. Right now. But later, you're going to be first. Priority. Prominence. Right? And that's what he's saying to them. Okay, Peter. So you, you asked the question, well, what about us? We gave up everything. Yep. Yep. Who'd you give it for? For yourself? But if you did it for me, I guarantee you, and I'm God. I'm God. You will have a reward beyond your imagination. But in the meantime, will you? Will you live for me? So to bring it home in this passage, first of all, Peter. Of course, Peter. Peter. Ah, Peter. He was honest. He was just plain honest. Um, the rich young ruler didn't leave anything, and you know, he's gonna keep his riches. Hello, Jesus. I mean, I have this concern here. What about us? We left everything. Um, and so that's really the first application to be honest with God. Where are you? Where are you? Sometimes we see others, quote unquote, succeeding. We see 
immoral people getting away with it. And we have to struggle and we have to be quiet and be humble and uh, what about us? So the first application, we need to be honest about our concerns, whether they are small or great. We need to be open with the Lord. Because you see, He is our loving Heavenly Father. He really loves us. And He has good, good intentions for us. But He wants us to be open and honest with Him. That's what He wants. We're not going to throw him off. We're not going to. Jesus didn't scold Peter. No. He, he gave him assurance and promises. Right? So that's the first step. To be open and honest with our concerns. With Jesus. Secondly. Second application is this. Jesus promises. When exactly? In the regeneration when, I, when the Son of Man sits in this glorious throne. When I am indeed in absolute authority. Now, this is, a, this is an ongoing issue, right? Jesus, is Jesus Lord? Yes, he's Lord. Well, well, I see the cartel and human trafficking all over the place. Jesus is Lord? Yeah, uh-huh. Hmm. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. Verse 5, Hebrews 2, verse 5. For he did not subject to angels, that is God the Father, did not subject to angels, the worlds to come, the future, concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, and then he quotes from Psalm 8, and there it's like, man, who is, who is man? Who is a, you know, a human being? That you, you give him everything, you crown him with glory. I mean, this is, we're human beings. But then he applies that to Jesus. So he keeps quoting Psalm 8, uh, verse 6, but we are some were saying, What is man that you uh, remember him? Or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him a little lower than the, uh, than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put him, uh, put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, to, to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now, look at this, the last part of verse 8. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. And just to make clear who he's talking about, verse 9. But we do see him who was made a little lower than the, than the angels, namely Jesus. Because of the suffering of the death crowned with glory and honor. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death. For everyone. This is Jesus. Right. Yes, he is Lord and everything is subject. Everything. And yet we, right now, we don't see everything subjected to him. Because he's not sitting on his glorious throne yet. Right. 
There's going to be an actual throne where he says authority over all the world. But we don't see that now. Right? So we have to live by faith. We have to say, you know what? I'm going to live for the coming kingdom. The coming kingdom. Because here and now I can be distracted and so, many, so much is coming at me and this buzz here and buzz there and satisfaction here and satisfaction there. I mean, even the little things, right? Almost every morning I have to tell my daughter, no. Why is that? Would you like a coffee? <laughs> I love her coffee, but I also need to lose weight. Like, oh, this pleasure, I have to say no. I don't say no all the time, but. <laughs> but even the little things, the little things. Take care of our bodies to honor Jesus. Mm. You see, we have to connect what we learn in the Bible to everyday life. Everyday life. Right? So to say, I need to live for the future. Live for the future. In Matthew 6. Why are you anxious? Why are you anxious? Why are you anxious? Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Isn't life more than food, what you eat, and the clothes that you put on? But seek ye first, top priority, God and his kingdom, God and his righteousness. Put that as a priority, right? So we need to live for the future, for the future coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. Right. In the meantime, we let the kingdom of God be in our hearts, ruling in our hearts. But to have the future, what we're living for. And in our times, again, it is very, very hard because so much is being offered right now. Didn't we hear this and there, that social media, Instagram? <laughs> Right now, you can have this pleasure. Look, there it is. It only lasts a few, I don't know how long it lasts, but you get another one, get another one, get another one, get another one. And now TikTok, all day long you can be there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> it may a hundred, you know, it's all there. Living for the kingdom of God, that takes a conscious, intentional, decision to say no to so much so that I can spend time with God, so I can spend time in his word, so I can spend time analyzing and evaluating my own life. Lord, help me. But man, the moment we wake up, a thousand things are coming at us. Um, so finally, I mean, living for the future, but I've already said it, really the third application, live in honor of Jesus. Live in honor of Jesus. And again, that takes a conscious thinking. Is Jesus worth it? Yes. Even as we were singing right now, the hymns, it's like, do I really allow that to impact me? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Does that make a difference in my life or I just sing it out of memory? Wow, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine? The king of all the universe? Does that change? Does that challenge me? Does it change me? 
God help us. God help me. To live in honor of the name of the person of Jesus Christ. In all the levels of life. As a husband. As a father. As a pastor. As a friend. As a neighbor. As an employee. Employer. How can I honor the name of Jesus Christ? Because ultimately... He's the only one that's worthy. He's the only one that's worthy. Like someone said, we are too small of a package to live for. We need something much, much greater, someone much, much greater, and that's Jesus. Truly, I say to you, you're going to have positions of authority, and you're going to be blessed. You decide to leave things for my sake. To live for me. But it's a decision we all need to make. A loving lifestyle that represents Jesus.